Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, February the 25th, 2022. It is currently 2.56 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where no one can find me. I'm I'm completely isolated from the rest of the world, but even though I'm isolated from the rest of the world because of technology, I can turn on the microphone and we can do Bible study exercises. We can do devotional messages. We can look at books like The Imitation of Christ written over 500 years ago. We can study church history. We can talk about what's going on in the culture. We can talk about what's going on in the world. We can do devotional messages. It is just... Again, every day, I'm just blown away with the the fact that I can just press a button and be live on the internet talking about anything and everything. But with that technology, and it is great, and I try to use it to the best of my ability and use it as much as I can. I mean, when when I if you consider how many episodes I do pretty much in a year, almost a thousand episodes per year, we do a lot of, I do a lot of work. And that's great. But when you do that much, (laughs) you know that there's going to be some times that it doesn't quite go as planned. There's going to be some times that you try something and it just falls apart. You make some major mistakes in it. And because all of my broadcasts are live, there's no safety net. There's no, oh, stop. Okay. Okay. Well, just keep talking. I'll go back, edit that out. And it all be, and I can always be sound perfect. And no, when you're live, you're live. And sometimes things go well. Some things, sometimes things go really bad. If you listen to my uh, first hour of live broadcasting, that li- that live broadcast ended with me getting a phone call because I have the, I or a FaceTime call. And because I have my iPad right here and I forgot to turn off the notification. See, so so there's um, there's nothing I can do. I mean, it's now there on the internet. So sometimes things don't go the way as planned. Now, you have to make a choice when things don't go the way as planned. And I've, and I've made this choice sometimes. There's a couple of choices. First choice is just like, you know what? Just, just forget that. Don't go back. Don't touch it. Don't finish it. Don't complete the series. Just leave it alone. Because most of the time, about 98, 99% of the time, there's a good chance that people will just forget and they'll just move on. They're like, well, he didn't finish that. I didn't really care that much. And they'll just move on. Now, sometimes I will attempt to try to do that and we'll get emails going, no, please go back and finish that. Please go back and finish that. So sometimes I will take that approach. Other times, all you can do is get back up and keep moving forward. And here's what happened. I think it was Sunday night, Sunday night, around 5.30, 6 p.m. After hours and hours of live broadcasting, what, four, five, six hours of live broadcasting. It's getting to the end of the day. I'm like, what do I do? And I look at the pulpit. I'm like, oh, there is a book. In fact, I'll just, that, that is a course in biblical theology. A course in biblical theology. I'm like, I could take that and I could do something with that that would be very beneficial, right? Because the first part of this book begins with lessons on biblical doctrine or on Bible doctrine. I'm like, that would be, that'd be a good discussion. That'd be a good discussion. I can do that, right? And the first episode, I mean, 
yes, we got caught up into the all the Greek words used. And, and, and now after the fact, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if that was really beneficial. Does everyone need to know all of the Greek words? Is it did okay? Did ach? A, like, do I stress the guttural sound? Like, I, I, in, in real time, you heard me going through all of that, right? Did I, did I say it that way? Did I say it this way? Why do I say it that way? Just, just like things that probably didn't really, really matter. I tried to do a little bit better job in the second one, but still had some, some trying to figure out which way to do all the Greek words. And I, and I tried to correct some of that. And so then I'm like, you know what? That's two attempts, <laughs> And both attempts weren't very good. So then I was sitting here today going, you know what? I probably should just go home. And I thought, you know what? I still think this discussion about biblical doctrine is worth, it's worthwhile. Now, I'm going to have to come back at some point, maybe clean this up, fix maybe my approach. Because look, there's, there's, it's, sometimes it's super important to get into the Greek words. Sometimes it is super important, right? Sometimes... You have to ask yourself, am I getting into all the Greek words and telling you this Greek word, this Greek word? Am I doing so so that it really helps you understand the subject? Or am I doing so just to give you Greek words, right? Like sometimes pastors are like, this is the Greek word, this is the Greek word. Sometimes those who are very good with Greek, well, they'll, they'll just read, they'll, they'll, they'll take a second, a second and read the section in Greek, right? Now, knowing that 90% of their audience has no understanding of what they're reading, but see, they come across as really, 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 really smart, really, really, really like, and so they're, they're like, they're authoritative. So I'll listen to them. I got no problem if they do that. I'm just, sometimes you have to ask yourself, what's the real point in doing that? Now, if you're speaking to a Greek audience, then it would make sense. Um, okay, good. Someone is saying that they thought they were awesome, but she goes to my church, so she has no choice but to say that. But, but uh, sometimes, so sometimes, you know, you go back and you listen, you're like, okay, well, could I done that different? Could, could have done that differently. So here's what we're going to do. We're down to this part and this kind of, it's really what it is. It's an introduction to a course on biblical theology. It's really what this, this book is, or, or this section is. And we're down to this section, and I'm not even going to go back through all of the Greek words and everything here. Uh, I, again, I'm not. Because, again, I, I'm, I'm still questioning how important it is. Now, we're going to get to a Greek word here in a minute. We're going to get to a Greek word that I think may actually be important. Uh, so, again, sometimes, why, why, what's the, why, why do we need the, the Greek word? Sometimes we definitely need the Greek word. But we're down to this section that is giving us uh, basically the reasons why sound doctrine is important. And here are the ones we've looked at so far. The Bible was given for doctrine, 2 Timothy 3.16. Bible doctrine is important because when you pick up the Bible, that's one of its primary purposes. It's to give you doctrine. And remember, doctrine is simply teaching. And if you can think about it, it really... The, and that's one of the reasons, I guess that's one of the reasons we looked at the Greek words and the Hebrew words is or the Hebrew word, I should say, is if you think of doctrine, it's teaching, but it, it can refer to teaching. It can refer to the very specific subject that's being taught, and it can refer to learning. But all of it still deals with teaching. Doctrine is simply teaching. So if you're in a church that seems to play down doctrine, they didn't really play down doctrine because if they teach, they're still teaching doctrine. The issue is what, when it comes to the doctrine they teach, is there any depth, significance, to it because every church is teaching doctrine. Every Christian podcast is teaching doctrine because it's just teaching. But the Bible is given for doctrine. 
So that means doctrine should be important to all of us. The second thing that we looked at, the Bible exalts doctrine. The Bible exalts doctrine. And we talked about how many times the words that apply to doctrine is used. It's used multiple times. Doctrine, truth, learning, it's exalted in the Bible. So we should care about it. Number three, the apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth, which refers to the sound teaching of God's word. Uh, Third John uh, chapter one, verse four. Now, the point is, is that we should find joy and walking in true doctrine, and we should find joy in helping others walk in true doctrine. Number four, sound doctrine is necessary to be saved. Now, in the Discord channel, everyone posted the Athanasian Creed. We didn't really have a discussion about it. Um, But uh, if you read the Athanasian Creed, it says you have to believe these things in order to be saved. In some sense... Doctrine is required for salvation in this sense. You've got to believe the right things about Jesus or you're believing in a false Jesus and a false Jesus can't save, right? So there's a certain level of doctrine that is required for salvation, all right? I I think that's just important. Number five, sound doctrine is necessary to have the right worldview, which is simply the right thinking about life. You've got to have right doctrine to have a right worldview. We just talked about that in the last live episode about having a biblical worldview. And and I challenged everyone, three things, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments. These three things were absolutely like essential in in the early church. They were essential in helping people develop a biblical worldview. We need a biblical worldview and we need Bible doctrine in order to have that biblical world view. All right. Next, sound doctrine is necessary to make God's people perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. We have to be thoroughly furnished. You're not going to be thoroughly equipped. You're not going to be matured in your Christian faith without doctrine. You have to have it. Now, the the question is, I want to make sure you understand this. In one sense, every church teaches doctrine. In another sense, every church teaches doctrine, but some don't really get into any serious doctrine because anytime they teach anything, it's doctrine, but they don't really dig into doctrine. They don't build a true biblical theology. And if you're not being given doctrine in your church, you're not being thoroughly furnished. You're not being matured in your faith. It's weird. Some people will walk into a church and, and if it's going like deep doctrine, you're breaking it down. They'll be like, man, I, and, and that, uh, this church always gets accused of it. It's just like a little seminary. That doesn't really feel like church. Well, that's literally, if you want to be matured in your faith, you need doctrine. <laughs> that's literally what you should be looking for. It, it's, it's really weird when I get that criticism. It feels like a seminary, not a church. Seminaries equip people for ministry. The church is to equip people for the work of ministry. It is doctrine that thoroughly furnishes you. It perfects you. It matures you. So what do you want? It's Sometimes that's the most, the b- most bizarre thing uh, I've, I've ever heard. I, I don't even understand that. All right. So now the next one is number seven, but I'm going to skip number seven because I just want to take just a few minutes to get us thinking about number eight. And this one is based off Jude chapter one. 
Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. We read verse 3. Jude 1, 3. And when I say Jude 1, obviously, obviously we know Jude is just one chapter, but I'm just so you know, so Jude 3, I guess I could say that. All right, here we go. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Bible doctrine is absolutely essential so that you can earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You've got to know biblical doctrine so that you can identify the faith that was once delivered unto the saints so that you can earnestly contend for it. Now, before we look at this earnestly contend phrase, because that's the Greek phrase we're going to look at. Remember how I started this. One of the, 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 my thoughts when I saw the, the book laying there on the pulpit, my, my practical thought was, how can we develop biblical doctrine and yet remain humble? Because so many times people learn doctrine and they become arrogant and puffed up. And so I tried to challenge us to, to how can we, balance this, that with biblical doctrine, it must be accompanied by biblical humility or biblical doctrine will simply become a source of spiritual arrogance, which will actually become detrimental to your spiritual life. Spiritual doctrine must be accompanied by, biblical doctrine must be accompanied by biblical humility or biblical doctrine will become a source of spiritual pride and it will be detrimental to your spiritual life. Well, this even becomes more difficult because how can you earnestly contend for the faith and do so in a way that demonstrates humility? Now you say, well, it's easy. It's not easy because when we start, here's what happens. When we start contending for it, Jude is like, hey, I was going to write to you about the common salvation. And then I realized, hey guys, I've got to help you understand. You need to earnestly contend for the faith. So it's one thing to say, okay, guys, everyone, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. But you, that can literally lead to more arrogance. I just want you to think about this principle. When contending for the faith becomes an issue of you contending for yourself to be right and the other person wrong, you're no longer contending for the faith. You're contending for your pride. When contending for the faith becomes about you contending for you to be right and your opponent to be wrong, you stop contending for the faith and you're now simply contending for your pride and arrogance. Let me explain, and, I've, and I've, I've got to be very careful here because some people are going to take this the wrong way. There are Christian ministries out there where the individual engages in debates. They go and they debate Mormons or Catholics or Muslims, 
And on one hand, that is a great thing because it allows both world, both positions to be heard and then people can see the merits of each one. But so many times, people who listen to those debates, people who will go to those debates, I've, it's usually Christian men. Um, I typically, what I, when I hear, when, when Christian women listen to the debates, most of the time, women tend to ask questions. Well, what about this? And I didn't really understand this. And what about this? Where Christian men have a tendency, oh man, he made him look stupid. He didn't even understand that. Oh man, he tore, he destroyed him. Man, oh, he beat him so bad in that debate. It's almost like the Christian men, were, they act like they were watching a football game. And they're like, oh, we won. He was so, so stupid. He didn't even have an answer. And I'm like, so we're celebrating because someone who is humiliated in a debate, that, that's, that's our goal. We're, we're bragging because our side looks smart and their side looks stupid. Like that, what did we win? That's not earnestly contending for the faith. That's earnestly contending for your own arrogance and your own side and your own tribe. That biblical doctrine that leads to that kind of mentality is no longer valuable to your Christian faith. And look, when I was a young Christian, I loved those debates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll never forget. Bart Ehrman was debating, I think, Dr. Wallace at Dallas Theological Seminary. And as we were going to the debate, I told multiple people who were going to the debate. We took uh, some of the teenagers from the church. A number of people went. And I, I told a number of people that Bart Ehrman's going to win this debate because the, the, the thesis that they're arguing, there's no way that the Christian is going to win this argument. It's just a stupid debate because all Bart Ehrman has to try to even just barely show is like, hey, look, these textual variants – if there's, if there's all these different textual variants and there's one manuscript who reads this way and another manuscript who reads this way, who are you to, to how, how are you to know which manuscript is the actual reading? So this would call into question the inspiration of the Bible. That, that he wouldn't have to do much to at least win because the way the, the basically the thesis statement that was being argued, he was going to win. I didn't, that doesn't mean that I believe that his position was true and the Bible's not the inspired word of God. I'm just saying from a from an earthly debate perspective, he was going to be able to win because the Christian would not be what there, there's a level of faith. Like we can argue that the Bible is trustworthy, but to say that it's the infallible perfect word of God requires a little bit of faith there because there's only so much we can prove, right? So in the debate, all you have to do is the faith part becomes irrelevant in the debate. All you have to do is just raise a reasonable doubt or question, and then you're going to win your argument. So I, and people like got upset with me. And when the debate was over, I'm like, well, I told you Bart Ehrman won. I've only listened to like a 50 billion of, of his debates and people got mad. And I'm like, what are you mad about? This is not about my team, their team. It's just me judging an academic debate on the basis of an academic debate. It doesn't mean that one, because one won the debate that their side is true. It just means they won the debate. But it was like, it's, it's like a game and we've got to win. And I'm like, I don't think this is about earnestly contending for the faith anymore. I think it's about, I've got my side and I want my side to win. That's, that, that will never be 
that turns Bible doctrine literally into something that will be detrimental for your spiritual life. And that is crazy for me to even say, but it's true. When, it, when earnestly contending for the faith, you just become like an arrogant jerk who thinks you're right and you don't really care about the faith. You care about you. You care about your victory. You care about getting points. You care about making people look stupid. That, that's not, there's nothing, there's nothing spiritual in that. Now, there, look, there's nothing wrong with contending for the faith and saying that is wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with saying something is heretical. But I'm saying that it, it can, it's a very fine line between you're, you're really worried about the faith and you're just worry, really worried about your own ego, your own pride, and about you being right. Now, the Greek word here, Jude 1.3. I'm going to go back to the interlinear. If we go to the interlinear, it, it reads, if I'm just reading straight from the interlinear, beloved, all diligence, when I gave, to write unto you of the common salvation needful, it was for me to write unto you and exhort that ye should earnestly contend. That that whole phrase, this Greek word, earnestly contend. This Greek word. Strong's G, 1864. Epagonizomai. Epagonizomai. That's the Greek word. Epagonizomai. It is used, what, one time. <laughs> okay. It's used one time. Epagonizomai. It is translated earnestly contend for. Strong's definition of epagonizomai is to struggle for, earnestly contend for. Earnestly contend for. Epagonizomai. Now, please, well, epagonizomai is that you're earnestly contending for. You're struggling for the faith not for your ego, not for your pride, not for you to be right. What are you really struggling with? If I'm earnestly continuing, if I'm, let's say I get into an argument with a charismatic and we're going back and forth. Now, at some point I can be start off with apogonizomai. I'm earnestly contending for the faith, but at some point if not, it's no longer apogonizomai. I'm no longer, or no, it's still apogonizomai. I'm struggling, I'm contending, but I'm not contending for the faith. I'm contending because I want to be right. I, I, I now I'm taking it personal. Once that happens, I'm not apogonizomai the faith. I'm apogonizomai self. Are you apogonizomai the faith or are you apogonizomai yourself? Apogonizomai. Now, this book here breaks this down. The Greek word translated apogonizomai, earnestly contend, is apogonizomai. Now, when I look at the way they have it written, I have to look at the interlinear and have it broken down. Apogonizomai, uh, it means to contend about a thing as a combatant. So they really strengthen it. It's like war. It is from epi, for, with, an intensive force. Apogonizomai, agnizomai. Uh, meaning to strive, contend, to fight. It was used to describe the contenders in the Greek games. The word earnestly is added to convey the intensive force of the preposition. It is impossible to contend for the faith without a good knowledge of sound doctrine. The defense of the faith is not to be a half-hearted thing. It is to be done with all diligence and with earnestness. Every preacher, every child of God should be set for the defense of the faith a soldier in the battle of truth, a fighter for the good fight. 
This required study and preparation and a willingness to engage error. The earnest contention of the faith should be a major emphasis of every preacher's training institute. Yeah, epagonizomai, earnestly contend for the faith. But here's what I think happens. You go to seminary, you go to Bible college, epagonizomai, I'm going to earnestly contend. I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue. I'm going to fight for the faith. But next thing you know, it's really you're fighting about yourself. I'll, I'll never forget my church in Nebraska. I think it was Thursday nights. We had to go, it was like required. You had to go door-to-door ministry. We won't get into the whole requirement and rules and, you know, we won't get into all of that. But so many times the men would go door-to-door and when they came back, it, it wouldn't, usually it wasn't the women, but it would be the men sitting around almost telling war stories. Oh man, he said this and I said this and he didn't like this and I argued this and ooh, yeah. And, and it's like, I don't know if we're really contending for the faith. It sounds like we're just going out to try to confront people so that we can have arguments so that we can come back and brag about how big and bad we are. That's not a pago needs my, that's a pago needs my, but it's being a combatant for your own self exaltation. Here's a question. Uh, uh, I see. Okay. Apago needs a mic. Okay. Someone just said that the Strong's G75 really adds to the understanding of it. Okay. Let me, let me look at this. Okay. Let me go back to the interlinear. Um, Apago needs a mic. It's from uh, 1909 and G75. Oh, to end, okay, here we go. Um, this, uh, to enter a contest, contend in, in the gymnastic games, to contend, to fight, to struggle with difficulties and danger. All right, yeah, so that definitely adds to, to the idea. Thank you, uh, Twyla, for pointing that out. Apagonizamai really is a struggle. It's this fight. And, and, I, and I got no problem with the struggle in the fight. I got no problem with the struggle in the fight. I just think that sometimes the struggle in the fight no longer is about the faith. That's the part I want you to focus on. Apagonizamai, are you contending for the faith? Are you contending for something else? So here's the question I would ask. Have you ever found yourself in an argument about something related to scripture, something related to theology, something related to Christianity, right? You're arguing something on social media. You're arguing with a family member. You're arguing with a friend, arguing with a coworker. And when you're arguing, you start feeling this like your heart rate starts getting faster, your pulse is increasing, and you start getting like emotional, emotional. You start feeling frustration. You start feeling, I think the minute that starts happening, I don't know if you're really apagonizamai the faith. I think maybe you're now apagonizamai yourself. It's so easy to happen. I'll get, I'll get emails. If you'll, if you'll go back and uh, you'll, if, uh, we did an entire series and I, and I got really frustrated in it. Uh, someone on YouTube went after me because, uh, you know, he wanted to basically argue that we're not saved by salvation alone. We're not saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone, but we're saved by works. And I kept trying to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And at some point in my response, I think I tried to I tried to handle it correctly, but I think at some point I got so frustrated and so irritated that I don't know if I was any more contending for the faith and more I was contending for like, man, okay, just back off and leave. Because the guy would not give me a chance to speak. It's like, I was like, he was just like, boom, 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 comment, 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 go, go, go. And I was like, man, and now there's another person doing the exact same thing. 
fighting over the exact same. And I haven't responded to that person because at some point I'm like, these people are not really interested in actual dialogue. They're just trying to argue. And next thing you know, I'm going to take the bait and then I'm going to be arguing with them and I'm not apogonizing the faith. I'm going to be fighting my own frustration and irritation. Then it becomes a fleshly thing. Bible doctrine has to be matched with biblical humility. And one of the ways we do this is we have to always ask when we are apogonizomai, I'm not looking at the word now, so hopefully I'm saying it correctly. Um, apogonizomai, we're not contending for ourselves. When we start contending, when we're no, we stop contending for the faith, we are contending for ourselves. Once we start contending for ourselves, then biblical doctrine just becomes detrimental to our spiritual life. Learn doctrine. You need it. We need people contending for the faith. But it has to be about the faith. And it's, it's a, we can deceive ourselves thinking we're arguing, we're fighting, and we're debating, and we're doing it for the faith. But in reality, we may be simply doing it about ourselves. I'm just going to stop right there. That's it. That's, that's, all, that's really all I want to say today. That's, all, that's really all I want us to say. Apagonizomai, I want you to just, I want you to think about that Greek word, but I just want you to ask yourself the next time you start arguing, what am I contending for? What am I fighting for? What am I struggling for? What am I battling for? Has that become personal? Am my own personal feelings involved in this? Am I getting upset? Am I getting irritated? Am I getting mad? Well, you're going to be contending, all right? You're going to be striving. You're going to be battling. You're going to be like a combatant for your own pride. You want to be right. It's no longer about the faith. All right, I'll stop right there. All right, thanks for listening. I'm going to stop for today, and I'm going to call it a day. And then tomorrow, we have, we're, we're uh, huh? We're going to introduce the next, we're getting ready to start a whole new series for our Bible study exercises. And I think Sunday we'll, we'll finish up our um, Bible study exercise for this week on forgiveness. We'll do that Sunday. Uh, we'll also introduce the new week of Bible study. And then, uh, well, we'll, I still got to see how we want to proceed with the doctrine thing, but I at least wanted to get that in because I think that's, that, that's a key lesson in all of this. So, um, well, yeah, we have a lot to do. There's always so much to do and not enough time to do everything. But uh, hopefully this has been another beneficial day. Again, uh, if you have not downloaded the Sermons 2.0 app, please do so if you're using it. If you're using the uh, Sermons 2.0 app, especially those on the Discord channel, hey, show me what's on in your feed. Which, which I want to see what, what, what new things are showing up in the broadcasters you follow. I want to see it. And if you listen to something, share it in the Discord channel. I shared something last night. I wanted to talk about it today because it was really fascinating. There was this, um, it was, was kind of like a devotional message where they were borrowing from a psalm. And the psalm was basically about how God... God delivers us from the snare of the fowler of the of the of the bird like we're 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 saved or we're, we're God delivers us from being uh, trapped God saves us from from the snare and so the emphasis of the psalm was on God doing the saving God doing the saving but as i listened i was like wait a minute he's completely removed this from God doing the saving it was about us avoiding the trap avoiding the snare and getting ourselves out of it. I'm like, how can you take a psalm that is about God's actions and you now make them requirements for my actions? 
So I shared it in the Discord channel, but uh, not just to pick on it, just because I wanted people to catch the how subtle it was. Hey, the psalm is about what God does, and it became now what I'm supposed to do. And it was just really, really strange. Uh, we, I, we may do some work on that psalm because I, I that psalm just, I, I don't really know what to do with that psalm. I was all confused. But um, yeah, so those on the Discord channel, if you listen, anytime you listen to anything, podcast episode, or especially since you know, I'm trying to really get everyone using the Sermons 2.0 app, just just share it. And, and Or just take a screenshot of your feed. I don't know how many broadcasters you're listening to, subscribe to now. I am currently... Let me go back to my, let me go back to the Sermons 2.0 app. Let me go to, um, let's see, my library, my follow broadcasters. I am currently subscribed to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And then I, if I count mine, 17. And uh, the ones I'm subscribed to is Albert Moeller, Ambassador Baptist College, BMA Theological Seminary, Bob Jones University, Central Baptist Church, College Grove Grace Church, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church, Greenville Seminary, Mid-America Reformed Seminary, Pensacola Christian College, Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the King James Bible Seminary, the Worldview in Five Minutes. Um, and you'll notice most of mine are seminaries and Bible colleges. If you come across a Bible college or seminary on Sermon Audio, let me know and I'll add it to my list. But now that we can follow things, uh, yeah, I want to, <clears throat> I like to see what other people are listening to because it may be something that spark, sparks a good conversation. All right, there you go. Hopefully that's helpful. Go forth and contend for the faith today. Earnestly contend for the faith. Just make sure you check what you're actually contending for. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. God bless.